Hey everyone, and welcome to Theana Money, where we seek to help the good man leave an inheritance to his children's children. This is Jeremy Collins, the host of Theana Money. This week on the podcast, I have my friend Rocky on, and we talk about issues with the medical system, specifically how medical insurance and government involvement in the medical system, whether via medical insurance or just via general regulations, has actually hampered the medical system in the United States. So it's a great discussion. I hope you all really like it and that you also stay tuned for the episode that will drop a week from when this one does that will take what we discussed in this first episode and apply it more practically to our day-to-day lives. So I hope you all like it. Hey everyone, I'm back with Rocky. He was with me last week. So if you haven't listened to last week's episode, you might want to pause this one, download last week's and listen to it. Because last week we talked about issues with government involvement in medicine and even more than that, medical insurance and how that's driven down competition and driven up prices and a lot of other issues. And now based on our conversation that we dropped last week, Rocky and I are going to talk about how the church can get involved in that. But uh, before we do that, I just want to remind you all that he has his own podcast called uh, For the King. Uh, you said the website's forthekingpodcast.com, right? Yeah. Yep. So make sure to check all of that out. Check out his podcast. And um, yeah, I'll let you take it away with what you want to talk about this week. Yeah, I would really, yeah, I'd appreciate it if you guys checked it out. Let me know what you think. So you know, I, I guess I, we did a, I, I think we did a really good job last week establishing some of the economic principles that's really scary going on in the healthcare system. And uh, what I think is really, really cool about this conversation is, um, you know, where we're going this week about the, the church getting involved. It is such a beautiful thing when you look at history, how the church has been involved with with welfare, the, the welfare of humanity, that we're not only supposed to be those that um, proclaim the gospel and nourish the souls of humanity through the proclamation of the word, although that is a way in which we are promoting health, right? Spiritual health. We also, the church, the church has also been uh, the bulwark of um, health care, of welfare to, um, like you, you say all the time in this podcast, Jeremy, the, the church is where welfare is supposed to be coming from. And that includes taking care of people's health. Yeah. There's a reason why like half the hospitals in the country are named St. This or St. That. Exactly. Yeah. That, and John Calvin talks about this. I don't know if it's in the institutes or one of his other works. Um, I can't remember exactly where it's at, but you know, not only do, do we care for the soul, but we also care for the body. We're not Gnostics. We don't uh, turn everything into a spiritual issue you know, James uh, two is clear, on, clear on this, that we're not supposed to just say, you know, go and be well without doing anything for somebody's physical state of being. Uh, we're supposed to be those that love and care for people's bodies as well. That's a very important aspect of, of our Christianity of following Christ. Yeah. 
integrated healthcare, though not integrated counseling, because I'm newthetic. I don't know if you've ever looked into that whole debate there if you're into newthetic counseling. So integrated healthcare, but not integrated counseling. Just wanted to kind of say that there and make a joke with that. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, exactly. <laughs> no, that, that's good. Um, wait, what do you mean? I, I'm confused now. Like integrative healthcare. Oh, where you were saying last, last week, you were talking about like integrated healthcare. Cause like, we're looking at the whole man, not just oh, like giving them yes. medicine, but like, you know, more like terrain theory. I think you had at one point called that like an integrated view of healthcare. Yes, it's kind of making a joke that we're like, we're into that, but we're not into integrated counseling. <laughs> like, or at least I'm not, I'm assuming you're probably with me. Like, Oh dude, like the Jay Adams, David Paulison line of counseling. Oh yeah. I'm on board. Um, I was just talking to my wife about <laughs> psychology the other day and how absolutely ridiculous. I think it is, you know, pagan psychology. So I'm right there with you. Yeah, because it's based in materialism. Oh my goodness! Ma- our materialistic view of humanity and evolution, and actually things like that that we talked about last week. Yep, exactly. It really does come down to presuppositions. That's the. It, it's mm-hmm. it's really fun to always do that exercise when you're looking at any part of a worldview. What's the presupposition here? It's it's good. So, I wanted to make a case, you know, just with with my perspective in terms of how the church is going to get involved, making this really practical. Romans, so, so I, I kind of gave some stuff last week about like, what I was just talking about, the presuppositions, positive and negative rights, healthcare being a positive right, that kind of thing. Well, it might not be a right, but healthcare is most definitely a why, any wise human will pursue the health of their body as a, a temple. It's, it's, we're not, again, we're not Gnostics, we're Christians. Um, and so many Christians fall into like a Gnostic heresy here that they just hate the body. I mean, I had a, I had a brother that I love very dearly. Um, I was telling him about some things I'm doing to change to uh, k- kind of take care of my health. And he was like, well, I'll just eat sweets and, and, and eat a bunch of really bad stuff for my body. Cause you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm, we're all going to heaven. Who cares? Just super unbiblical reasoning. Uh, and, and it makes me sad that Christians think this way. So we, we, we don't want to jump off and say, oh, we, we shouldn't care about health care as Christians and then go off the deep end and say, well, we shouldn't be involved. Well, no, the church should be intimately involved. And um, that, that comes back to an understand, bright understanding of the state. So in Romans 13, the state is to bear the sword. That's it. So what does the church do? What's in the sphere of the church? Jeremy, you're huge on sphere sovereignty. And I listen to your podcast where you walk through sphere sovereignty in your, in your teaching uh, with Cruciform, which is really good, by the way that the, the church's sphere here is to take care of the welfare of the body. And that comes mainly through the diaconate, the, um, the role of the deacon in the church. The deacon is supposed to be the hands of mercy to the populace, to the people of the world. Um, and if we're going to live up to that calling, the deacon ought to be the one that's going in to take care of the sick, the needy, the poor. That's the role of the deacon. And that, that can include, yeah, healthcare and doing very, you know, you would want to have expertise too. It's not like a deacon that's not qualified should just be taking care of somebody that's got cancer or some like, you know, trying to perform a surgery. We're not talking about that. There still is a, a, a civil uh, uh, sphere where you have, you know, businesses in the free market capitalism working where you'll have people that like the guy in Oklahoma that can actually do surgeries at a, at a cheap cost. But the deacon, it should all be through the church. It should all be done through the church um, and caring for the body. Yeah. Um, something interesting I've heard now I'm not nearly as good at Greek as some of my friends are. I could probably read Koine Greek on like a kindergarten level if that, 
but I've heard from some people that like really know the Greek language, or at least a pastor of mine when I lived in Missouri, that in James 5, when it talks about the elders anointing oil on the one who is sick and praying for him, uh-huh. that it could actually also refer to ointment instead of oil, which would kind of be like your elder giving you medical attention when you're sick and praying with you. Huh. Now, wow. I don't know, maybe someone that knows that better than me is like, actually, no, your pastor was way off on that. But huh. um, at least this is what he was saying from his study on James. When we did a study through James while I was a member at that church in Missouri, that oil there could refer to ointment. That would be a very interesting interpretation. I'll have to look into that. I've never heard that. Um, but it, it's got, got me thinking, though. I guess Paul is exhorting Timothy now uh, to not uh, neglect taking care of his body, to be like the, um, the ascetics in, in uh in the church in Ephesus and stuff. Uh, yeah. Timothy, first Timothy four, like nine or 10, I think yeah, he's talking saying, about. Yeah. He's saying, take, take some wine for your body. Stop being an ascetic where you're denying your body 24 uh, seven, take some wine and take care of your body. Here's my exhortation as a father in the faith to you. And okay. Paul oh, you're kind thinking of, of a different verse. I was thinking of, um, I think it's for Timothy four, like nine or 10, when Paul says like bodily exercise is good, but spiritual oh, exercise is better. But these yes. days, like, you almost have people trying to deny one for the other. Yeah. Going off the deep end on both sides. Yeah. yeah. Well, and then, and then at the next chapter, he mentions, take some wine, take a little bit of wine for your stomach. Stop trying to act like the body doesn't matter. Uh, take care of your body. And then Paul is like giving him medical advice saying, drink some wine. It's, a, it's, it's pH will help settle your stomach. Which is cool. Which is cool. I guess going back to your pastor's interpretation of that, uh, you know, anointing, anointing with oil and taking care of the body. So Doug Wilson, I've heard him say, I don't know if it was blog or may blog or podcast. Doug Wilson says that the Levitical law for leprosy and other diseases is a case for the state to participate in health. The state does have a place that does have a role in health. It's, it's because in the old Testament, we see the, um, right. Cause he's a theonomist and we're theonomists here, right? Uh, you're a theonomist, I'm a theonomist. So we should, we should look to the old Testament to get cues on how a government ought to be ran. Well, we see, oh my goodness, in the Levitical law, well, we're seeing, um, these, uh, people that have leprosy being cared for by the priests. So we, we obviously have an example of the state, the civil sphere being involved in, in health, you know, that that's, it's, it's not the role of the government. So that's where I'm going to push back. It's not the role of the government because the priest is um, actually in the sphere of the church, right? It was a priest going in and administering these things, not a ruler or a prince or an elder of the land. It was a priest going to do these things to clean the, the bad things from among them, right? Which would include diseases and things like that. So yeah. 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 I actually want to back this up a little bit. You're so far talking about how the church sphere gets involved in health but i want to back it up and say like first thing should really be the family sphere being involved in health like mother and father caring for sick children or the those children when they're adults caring for aging parents or getting into further extended family from that and things like that and that the church gets involved if it gets too bad or if the situation calls for it and then also you know than uh, businesses. And by businesses, I mean like doctors who do that as their profession can exactly. get involved if it gets bad enough for them to be necessary. Like in these successful circles, just getting larger and larger, first the immediate family, then the extended family, then the church. And then that person who's doing this for his 
profession, these concentric circles. Yes, that's, that's a really good point. Um, And I completely agree. And it kind of shows our just super weak ecclesiology in the West that we don't, we don't start with the church. It's like, Oh, I'm sick. I'm not going to talk to my mom. I'm not going to talk to my pastor. I'm going to, I'm going to go and talk to immediately go, you know, check myself into a hospital. And I'm not saying about like you're bleeding profusely. I'm talking about, Oh, I have an upset stomach. Well, well, people will usually talk to their spouse or, you know, like work with somebody that knows a little something before they immediately go to a doctor. But most people, honestly, they do go straight to a doctor. That's, yeah, that's, that's too cheap to go straight to a doctor. I like tear my face up and I've got blood pouring down my face. And first I need to take some selfies because this looks cool. And then I'm going to like talk to my wife and be like, Hey, doctors and hospitals are expensive. You think I need stitches for this? Or you think we can just like, you know, take a bunch of band-aids or some sterile super glue and hold it in place. It'll save us like a thousand dollars in a hospital bill. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Or yeah, you go to the church and does somebody in the church know how to put in stitches? Do I really Mm -hmm. need to go to the doctor? Like for instance, my wife, she's a nurse. So she, there's things she can do at the church. We are at, at harvest. If somebody gets hurt or something is happening, why don't they consult with Candace first before they immediately go and give their money away to somebody that maybe it can be solved in a different sovereign sphere sovereignty first. I, I think mm-hmm. we need to think we have a stronger ecclesiology here. Yeah. And, um, here's a term I thought of when we were recording the last episode or actually when we were doing take one that we ended up losing, uh, that was so annoying. So my screen went blank and I was like, why didn't my screen go to sleep? Why did my monitor go to sleep while we're recording? And then the whole computer just shut off. And I was like, no, <laughs> but, um, before that happened, when you talked about how people will say that medical care is a right, I, um, had another way to say it. That would be our side come to mind. And I think this is really great. Um, maybe this will catch on. I don't know if it does praise God. Cause I think this could be something pretty cool if it caught on instead of saying medical care is a right, like they do, like the socialists do, we should say medical care is a responsibility. And what I mean by that is like those, those concentric circles that I was talking about is like you and should be trying to take care of the medical issues of your immediate family. Now, granted, there are some times where it's really bad. Like you said, you immediately need to go to the ER. If you're having a heart attack, you probably need to just, you know, go straight to the doctor, go to the straight to the ER. But if it's something pretty minor, medical care is a responsibility. We're responsible for taking care of those around us, our children, our parents, our siblings, our extended family, or those at our church, et cetera. Medical care isn't a right. Medical care is a responsibility, as in you have the responsibility to take care of those around you, the family of Christ and your biological family. Yeah. And that, that gets into end of life care for elderly. Do we send them to a elderly home or are the parents supposed to fulfill the fifth commandment and honor their mother and father? How about that one? How about that? That would be the biblical one. Yeah. I was just listening to Brian and Lexi Sauvey talk about that like yesterday or so, as I was listening uh, to the Bright Hearth podcast. Yep, my, my wife told me, <laughs> she said this, she just listened to that same one, Jeremy. She was telling me about it. That's wild. But mm. that's a that's a big point. That's a that is a big way the church ministers to to their own parents, the, the fathers and mothers in the faith, you know, by taking care of them in their old age. And so one other thing I wanted to say in terms of hospitals, 
they there's a lot of Catholic hospitals already in operation. So there already is a kind of, you know, an ecclesiology mixed with the civil sphere in terms of, in terms of a, um, um, a business, right? So you'll have priests and usually you'll have like a, the Catholic uh, hospitals, like the one my wife works at, there is a chapel or a cathedral in the hospital where patients can go to mass. Okay. So although I'm not a Catholic, I'm a Protestant, I protest the Catholic faith. And I think their soteriology is off where they're, I can't call them brothers of Christ. But what I can recognize is that kind of ecclesiology makes a lot of sense. And it's really, really smart. And when we say like sphere sovereignty, the church should be in the hospitals as the hands of mercy. So when you think of a hospital, you can't help but think about the pastors and the deacons that walk the halls, right, to care for the poor and the sick and the needy. And that's cool that Catholic Catholic hospitals do that. Now, the problem is they've sold themselves off to the state and insurance companies like we've already walked through. That's a big issue. But I think we need to we need to recover that here in the West. We need nice Protestant hospitals that have healthy competition in a free market that like, for instance, it it would make it would make sense in a small town that there should be a hospital pop up from one of the larger Protestant churches in the in the area. And that church should fund and see to it that that's one of their ministries that they do, that they fund this business that is, you know, a, a hospital, but the church should be seeing and have the authority over the way that that's administered. And, and does that make sense? Do you see what I'm saying, Jeremy? Yeah, that makes sense. The, depending on what the church was capable of, they could even perhaps do something like one of the elders, his main role is to be in that hospital Monday through Friday to pray to anyone that comes to the little chapel inside the hospital, or maybe the hospital is even attached to the church. That way the hospital's chapel is actually the church itself. Yes. Yeah. How beautiful would that be? I mean, and that happens during wartime. I mean, all of the churches get turned into what? Like, like uh, soldier care centers. It's just, it's just by nature. It's a safe place. It's yeah. And now some listeners might be thinking that's like crazy. That couldn't happen. That's just too big. But we don't have to go from zero to a hundred immediately. Like think about urgent cares and walking clinics and stuff like that. It could be a church starts a really cheap, not-for-profit urgent care as a ministry to the surrounding area. And over time, that urgent care grows into a full-fledged hospital. Yep. Exactly. You know, it's a great example of this Miriam uh, pregnancy center. Yep. Great example of that healthcare done through the church administered by the church and oversaw and overseen by the church for the, the arms of mercy going to the world for the, I see Noah's done some talking to you about that. Do what? I see Noah's done some talking to you about that. Oh yeah. 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 I've got to talk to Noah a few times about it. And it's, it makes a lot of sense. It's just the model we need to restore in Western Christianity, especially in Protestant Western Christianity, because all these Catholic the hospitals are just awful. I mean, they're not telling the people the gospel on their deathbed. It's very bad. Mm-hmm. And, you know, kind of continuing that, the first Miriam in Texas was helped start from another pregnancy clinic in the DFW area, Prestonwood Pregnancy Clinic, where the director, it's a multi-site pregnancy clinic, and the executive director of all of them, she is a Christian as well. I've gotten to meet her a few times with my area of work, working with pregnancy clinics and stuff. So it was a, and actually Preston Wood, that pregnancy clinic, Preston Wood was started by Preston Wood Baptist Church in the DFW area. So a church started a pregnancy clinic 
that kind of helped Miriam counseling centers get off the ground. So really it just all goes back to the church with that. Yep. Oh my goodness. It's beautiful. It's beautiful when you, especially for the deacon, the diaconate. Oh my goodness. Like deacons have so much more. So, so many people think the deacon is just the, the guy that's dressed well, that hands out pamphlets, hands out the church bulletin and stands in the back and greets people. The deacon is supposed to be <laughs> like I, the, the hands of mercy to the world. That's a, you know, the, the elders proclaim the gospel. They're the mouthpiece. Mm-hmm. And the, the deacons are the feet. That's, I mean, we just, we have such a low view of the diaconate in, uh, in the Western church. Well, so often now we have this not reformed Baptist ecclesiology. I say more specifically, not reformed Baptist ecclesiology, because typically re- reformed Baptists like us are better on this, but this kind of just American typical evangelical Baptist ecclesiology, where it's like, maybe a team of elders, maybe just a single pastor, oftentimes just a single pastor and the deacon board. And the deacon board is basically the board of directors of the church. Yeah, exactly. Like you can't support that ecclesiology anywhere with scripture. Yeah. It's completely unbiblical. It's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's kind of the gist of what I wanted to get at brother. I didn't know if there's somewhere else you wanted to go with this. Um, Um, What are some more practical steps we could try to give people for what they can do right now? Um, I would, I would personally say mothers in terms of starting in the family, mothers figure out some basic healthcare, how, how to dress a wound. Uh, what are some, what are some very common herbs uh, and, and things that can address a, any ailment your, your kid might have? I think if we start there and then I think if you're a deacon in a church, start figuring out ways you can, you can see to it that the, the poor and the needy, are, are cared for in your church. So I think it's got to start with the deacons leading acts of service and love that include the body, um, giving people healthy food. And I think it's also got to start with the churches, like stop having donuts in the morning. <laughs> like when you come to church, there shouldn't be donuts and coffee. There should be actually healthy food that creates health in individuals. That, that's, that should be, I think those are some really practical things. If we're going to think about Healthcare involvement, stop feeding into a system, the cyclical system that the government start creating uh, anti-fragile systems at your church to care for the people in your church and in your families. And then if you're, if you have the capital, yeah, and start a business, there still is a way you can be involved in a private setting uh, in the, in the private economy without taking any government money. You can, you can do that. So now you saying that just gave me this, like, crazy great idea i would love to see some churches doing that what if a lay person at a church or one of the deacons took it upon himself to plant some apple trees on the church property maybe do a couple of different species of apples that have slightly different times of harvest uh-huh. and then all through the ar- apple harvest season they you have the fresh apples grown on the church property for free anyone can grab one or a couple on sunday morning i love it I see things like that, just reclaiming beauty in the Christian church. Like, yeah, that's beautiful, Jeremy, having fruiting trees on the church property. Uh, that's just, you don't see churches doing that. They always look like shanty town. They just look like boxes, just disgusting boxes. They look like a, a Amazon warehouse. It's disgusting. Mm-hmm. They're boxes. Rep- <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. That's a whole nother topic. Yeah. Yeah, that the architecture of churches should also be something that proclaims the glory of God. Oh, yeah. Oh, That's yeah. Something the medieval church understood that 
exactly. the American church for the most part is lost. Yep. But yeah, the beauty of a well-organized plate of food before you that you know is good for your health, that you can mm. eat good conscience, that there's beauty there that reflects the glory of God. And it's just churches need to get back to that. The deacons need to lead it. Deacons sh- should not be gluttonous, uh, fat people. They should be normal looking humans that take care of their health and eat good food. So we shouldn't have the pastor whose tie barely touches his belly button because he weighs 400 pounds. That's bad. I would say that's sinful. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would, I just don't think that the sin of fatness and gluttony is called out as often in our, <laughs> in our current uh, phase of Christendom right now. It's just not called out and it's, it's got to start at some point. Yeah. Another thing I would say when you're going back to the practical steps of like mothers learning basic medical care, I think that can be something important for both mothers and fathers to do, but we can even try to see a little bit of the different mother and father role there. So like I took 10 years of Tung Sudo growing up at one of the oldest Tung Sudo clubs in, in Michigan, actually probably one of the oldest ones in the country. And we were kind of hardcore with some of our injuries. Sometimes we'd get hurt and we just laugh about it. Um, Basically at a certain point, if I walked home limping a little bit on a hurt ankle, my analysis of it was my ankle sprained. If 24 hours from now, it's still hurting really bad. If 24 hours from now, it feels better. It's not sprained. And so you can maybe have a little bit of the, the dad doing some medical care. That's like his son hurts an ankle and the dad wraps it up and says, if it still hurts in a couple of days and we'll check it out more. Cause it might be hurt pretty bad. Yeah. And then the mom being the little bit more nurturing since women tend to be more nurturing than men is the one that's maybe babying it the injury a little bit more than the dad is where the dad's saying to his son, you know, here, let me uh, take some duct tape and a paper towel to stop that bad gash on your arm. And the mom's maybe taking a little bit better precautions than that, but both parents being to some degree involved in the medical care of their families that reflects the different roles as mother and father. Exactly. Well, and when you think about the gender roles that God's put for men and women, men are supposed to be builders and, and, and uh, exemplify workmanship. So how does that, how's that working with um, building up the body and, and health while working out uh, teaching martial art? Like the dad should, obviously the women should know how to do that too, but the dad should be the one stressing it like what you're saying. Um, and then since women are for life and nurturing and, and caring, that's, that's their, the way they're made their nature, then they should be the ones, yeah, dressing the wounds and caring for, Health, the health and nurturing and building up by providing good, healthy, beautiful food and, and tending to wounds. And dad should be building up by training, training the body. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It goes along with what I was saying, you know, yes. now some people might be yes. thinking I'm crazy the way I'm talking about the dads, you know, basically they're saying, oh, it's fine. But I mean, I'm not going to do that with daughters that God gives me. I'm going to more do that with sons. God gives me that Exactly. You know, 10 years from now, myself and my son or a couple of my sons are working on a project and one of them gets a cut. That's when I just tell them like, Hey, you know, we got to finish this real quick. That doesn't look too bad. Let's just wrap a rag around it or um, tie your shirt around your arm or whatever. And don't worry, it'll be fine. Peroxide gets blood out of clothing. Yeah. Yeah. I think those are some really practical ways people can start moving towards this vision for welfare coming from the church, especially when we talk about healthcare and it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. It's glorious. And before anyone takes things too far, there are definitely some times where the dad needs to say like, okay, you're hurt really badly. I'm going to carry you back to the house. I'm not just going to tell you to wrap it with something and keep going. 
Exactly. Yep. <laughs> I like blew up a toe one time and my dad had to like carry me to the car because I could barely walk to go to the hospital and get the root of my toenail sewn back on. And I won't go into any more detail than that to keep listeners from oh, throwing my... up right now. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like a good one. <laughs> it hurt a lot. Yeah. Oh, well, this was great. And anything else you wanted to say at the end of this? No, I, dude, I think that was, that was good, brother. And I'm encouraged just talking about it. And I'm excited to see what happens if God would grant us repentance in, in the, in the Western church here for some of these things I think we've neglected. Um, and, and, oh, I, I guess a lot of these ideas come from the book, um, the, the hands that restore humanity, uh, by Matthew Belville. And he was on your podcast as well. So, I mean, yeah, that interview was really good. So if you're- yeah, um, taxes and Christian welfare that dropped, uh, near the end of November last year, people want to listen to it. Yep. That was really good. But his book is all about this, the hands that uh, will restore humanity. Yeah. And we're post mill. So, you know, a new day of small beginnings, this isn't going to happen. Eventually we have a federal beast to contend with who is yep. there largely because of in generations past the family and the church shirking from their responsibilities. And the state is more than willing to step up to the plate because it gives them more power. So we have, we're basically starting on lost ground, lost ground from our ancestors not doing what they should have. And so it's not going to be immediate. What we're thinking of is our children, six generations from now, maybe being where we should have been. And then another six generations from that being at a good God honoring place in society. Yep. Yep. Amen, brother. Yep. That's true. All right. Well, it was great to have you on and Hopefully yeah, at some point I can have you on again to talk about other things and maybe I can come back on for the King. Yes. Once again, that is Rocky's yes. podcast that y'all should go check out. Awesome. Thanks, Jeremy. This has been awesome, brother. Appreciate it. Yep. Well, thanks everyone. Have a great day and God bless. All right. So that was part two of the interview with Rocky. Make sure you check out his podcast for the King and all the great content he has there. And, uh, If you enjoyed this episode, these two episodes, then let your friends know about it. Text them the link to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, other podcast catchers where you listen to Theana Money. And uh, yeah, um, one last thing. I should be fully converted all the way over to Dropwave now. If you're having any issues finding Theana Money, then hit me up on social media or comment on a social media post, PM me, whatever you need to to help be able to find it. If you're listening to me right now, then you found me somehow, but maybe it's not your typical podcast catcher. I can try to help you get it all figured out. And so that was this week's episode of Theana Money. As we go, I want to remind everyone that the law of the Lord is perfect, sure, right, pure, clean, and true. So go apply that law in light of the gospel of Christ's atoning death and resurrection to every area of life. Grace and peace, friends. Oh, you satisfy.